Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And once again, welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 211. I made it back from Kiowa Island in South Carolina. Always good to get together with some friends for some golf and a couple drinks and some golf, maybe a couple more drinks. You get the picture. But I got to play the ocean course. And as someone that is a big fan of the Ryder Cup, which will be contested at Whistling Straits in a few weeks, and a course that I've personally played, it's nice to visit the site of the 1991 Ryder Cup. As we move into the fall collegiate season, a couple teams are off to a hot start. No surprise that the Oklahoma State Cowboys went out to Pebble Beach and captured the Carmel Cup with a one-shot victory over Oklahoma. Texas A&M captured the team and individual titles at the Marquette Intercollegiate held at Aaron Hills. One of the Aggies is the guest on this week's episode. My fall travel schedule kicks off with another visit to Dallas. Yes, I'm heading back to Merido, a very special place that I'm very familiar with, to cover the Merido Collegiate. And while you've seen my pictures and videos of Merido on all of the Back of the Range's social media channels, you'll be able to see the play covered live on Golf Channel. Many of the best programs in the country will be there. Texas, SMU, Arizona State, Oklahoma, and yes, the defending champions, Oklahoma State. My guest on this episode is Sam Bennett from Texas A&M. Him and the Aggies will be looking to make it two in a row at Merido. Sam is a first-team All-American coming off of a three-win season, and he currently sits in the top five of the PGA Tour U rankings. And for a kid from Madisonville, Texas, to find himself playing in a PGA Tour event and eventually becoming a member of the Palmer Cup team representing the United States of America, well, he's a great story and one that needs to be shared here at the back of the ranch. So let's get started. Sam, thanks for joining me. How are you? Good. Happy to be here. Absolutely. We, uh, we've crossed paths at, uh, at amateur tournaments and collegiate tournaments, I think, for better part of a couple of years now. So uh, I'm glad we're able to find some time to talk just as you're basically returning to College Station at uh, Texas A&M. You are not one of those lowly freshmen that are coming in saying, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Um, <laughs> how nice is it to get back on campus as someone that's uh, – that's done it before. I kind of know what to expect. What were the first few days of getting back to school look like? Oh, nothing. Just, you know, I always like to not really practice or do too much. Just kind of like to go up to our facility and, you know, not even dress in golf clothes, just kind of go up there in shorts and a t-shirt and, you know, <laughs> see all the new freshmen that are there and just talk to the coaches and, uh, you know, mess around with the guys and just make sure I get everything kind of, you know, organized and ready. My, you know, sounds stupid, but clean my room, make sure that's good. Get all books and papers stuff organized. But uh, mainly just kind of, you know, hanging out. And you know, we have this tradition up in uh up in Aggieland. It's called Howdy Week. So uh, you know, a lot of the students. There's lots of, you know, parties going on and people going to the pool and people just kind of hanging out with the, their friends and whoever before the first week of school starts. So it's actually pretty fun and relaxing. I was going to say that does sound fun. I, I did not see anyone call me and invite me to that. So, uh, but it must be nice when you have another fresh crop of, 
of uh, freshmen slash van washers so that, that you they can handle all the grunt work on that, that happens on every single college team. Um, but I'm sure you're going to have a lot of opportunities to kind of impart some wisdom because, again, they're your teammates and they're coming in trying to help you uh, help you guys compete for a championship. And you got to get them up to speed as quickly as possible. What were some of the things that your upperclassmen helped you with when when you were a freshman? Uh, well, first I'll say, I mean, this is what they helped me with. And that's what I tell the freshmen that, uh, I see is they're all, you know, so nervous and overwhelmed with not knowing where to go with classes and nervous about the coaches. They really never, you know, played in front of the coaches and yeah. they get psyched out about qualifying the first, I mean, cause our, my first qualifier round in college like i was like so like probably the most nervous i've ever been in like my golf history qualifying for the first tournament just you know you kind of want to prove yourself and sure like you think your your teammates like care like dang like this guy's a freshman and you you kind of want to prove to your teammates like you know like why you're here and that you're good but i always tell the freshman like i told the we got p shock from uh thailand and dallas hankover from temple I told him the other day, I was like, look, like, don't, like, don't take qualifying, like, every freshman I see, like, takes qualifying, like, really serious, is, like, so uptight, and once you, like, learn, like, after, like, two qualifiers, it's, like, literally, like, we're just out there, like, having a good time, just, like, messing around, like, I mean, it's obviously you're playing for score and treating it like a tournament, but it's more so laid back, but, uh, I mean, just kind of what I learned is from the upperclassmen told me is just, you know, not to not to rush anything and you know just really manage your time and really just to be organized because I mean especially coming from high school and a small high school like I did and you know Dallas and the other guy from overseas I mean it's going to be a lot different you just got to kind of find out where everything is and stay organized and you'll you'll be just fine. Yeah, because, I mean, there is the golf to play, and there's also, you know, at navigating the social aspect of, of, a, of a big school. But, you know, at some point, you guys probably need to go to a class or two every once in a while. So you have to kind of do a little bit of that as well. Yeah, the, uh, actually, my advisor, I haven't been uh, – <laughs> I in, like, two years, I haven't been on campus because I prefer not to – I mean, honestly, not to go to class and just do all online classes. Okay. And, I mean, part, part of the reason – covid uh covid happened so you know pretty much all all of them were online anyways but uh my advisors he's i mean i i never really had a good routine and i have a little too much free time on my hands as coach would say and he doesn't really <laughs> like that so uh my advisor this year he uh i picked my classes and uh he saw that they're all online again and he switched them to three in class. So I'll be on campus for three classes this year. And I'll be the first time in like two years, but it'll be good. Cause I do need to be, <laughs> be more organized and actually, actually go to class and kind of get on a, get on the schedule. So to say, yeah, you know, be like a regular college student and uh, yeah. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. There's a whole big world out there just to, you know, go, yeah. go, go socialize. Um, well, you, you, came to Texas A&M by way of Madisonville, Texas. That's where you grew up. I guess it's about 45 minutes away from College Station. And um, lots to get to with Madisonville. I always like to kind of talk about, you know, how my guests get into the game, you know, who introduced them to golf, and also the the facilities they had to use when they were, the, when they were a kid. You know, some 
some are lucky enough to play at, at you know really get in good with coaching and have you know the best country clubs and facilities other people come to the game in random ways and um i, I want to know and i think a lot of people would be interested to know how you got into the game so talk to me a little bit about madisonville texas and uh I believe the nine-hole facility, is it Fannin Oaks? Is that where you started playing golf? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, correct. I started playing when – I mean, there's pictures when I was, like, probably, like, two years old, you know, ever since you got that plastic clubs. And my dad and uh, grandpa played played golf out there. And, um, I mean, I just started playing. I lived about uh, probably less than a mile from our little nine-hole course. And, uh, I mean, literally, I just – I'd go out there every day from uh, – I mean, like eight, eight, eight in the morning until nighttime, and whether I was playing or just sitting in the clubhouse or going to the pool, I mean, it was out there. And I mean, I used to play, tell people all the time in stories. I mean, there's, you, we used to go out there in bathing suits and swim, swim trunks, like tank tops, bare feet, just out there messing around. And um, yeah, but it's, it was tough. I mean, growing up in Madisonville, like, like I said, on that nine hole course, I mean uh <laughs> oakmont's first cut of rough rolled better than our greens <laughs> um but i mean it gave us i mean they had a decent you know driving range and i mean if it wasn't for that nine hole course uh i mean i wouldn't be where i was today and then once i probably once i got about 12 or 13 i guess 12 to 14 when started winning some tournaments and i guess when you know dad thought i could you know pursued this game to you know the college level we uh we joined out at traditions where you know us aggies practice at and um then uh once i turned pride you know we'd go over there all my family and my two brothers and dad and we'd play on the weekends and then once i got 16 where i could drive i'd i'd uh i'd drive up here pretty much every day to practice because you can't really get too much practice done out there i mean you can hit hit shots and stuff but as far as putting uh you can't really do much but uh yeah once you got about 16 i mean i pretty much lived out at traditions and college station since it's only like 45 minutes away so i'm just another thing i have to ask about madisonville because i'm just a complete research nerd um talk to me about the annual mushroom festival at madisonville in madisonville (laughs) texas you know yeah you know i was gonna ask about that yeah, it's it's a good. I used to, I mean, I used to love going to it. Uh, we I mean, we'd go every year when um when I was younger, and I used to love just walking around the square and getting getting funnel cakes and you know <laughs> cotton candy and sure. they have these things where you they used to have these uh marshmallow guns that me and my buddies used to uh, get. You put marshmallows in. It was like a blow gun for marshmallows, and right. we used to just shoot them. And there's a bunch of other stuff, but yeah, it was cool. I mean. They uh they actually they actually did away with the mushroom festival about two years ago. I don't know why that is though. Well, that's not good. They need to bring yeah. that need to bring that back. Um, yeah. Um, but we have the buckies. That's what we're known for. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't want to go that direction because basically, you know, it, it sounds like it's known for a. I mean, the buckies is basically just a convenience store, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But they're 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 pretty solid. All right. I mean, I mean, let's see. Is it better than a Wawa or better than like a racetrack? Like, I mean, you know, I don't know any of those. I you, mean, it's just like, I mean, you can get anything to. They have they have my favorite beef jerky in the world by far. The okay. best fudge. You can order food, any candy you want, ices. You can buy stuff to put in your house there. 
So if, so if you wanted to get an NIL deal, I mean, we're not going to jump too drastically into that topic because that's like the hottest topic right now yeah. in college sports. But if you were to get an NIA, NIL deal and forget about the big, you know, club companies and cars, let's just keep it, you know, hometown, hometown. And here we go. Hometown NIL deal for Madison, Madisonville, Texas. What would be a company that you would want to be lined up with in just a dream scenario? Uh, hometown, maybe, uh, I think it'd be kind of cool to, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. That's okay. But, well, it's a, well, it's a crazy this, question, there, so it's okay. There's, well, there's this little taco stand in Madisonville, yes. best tacos, and, and I used to go there every morning before school, and I mean, everybody that comes through Madisonville stops there, and it's just literally, a well, I mean, you can sit down and eat, but. Every time I still go back to Massimo, I go, it's called the Taco Place, and I still go there. I think that'd be pretty cool. Of course, that's other, what it's other called. Other that, there's really, there's really not much. I mean, you got your normal, you know, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Subway, and then Brooks Brothers and Walmart, and then one Mexican food restaurant and a Dairy Queen. That's about it. <laughs> I need to get uh need to get some uh, golf towels or head covers that or hats something to the taco place. I, I see this I see this happening for you next summer on the amateur circuit. I, I could see that happening. Um yeah. well I was just about to ask also, you know, how does Texas A and M come into the picture? Uh, I mean, obviously by proximity and growing up and being a member, uh being a member at the club, a tradition, but you know, you have a, you have a really solid junior career. You know, runner-up in the Junior Valero. You have top five finishes with AJGA. You're either, you know, either if you weren't winning a state high school championship, you're a runner-up in one. So you have a really good junior career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm guessing you're getting the recruiting uh, trips offered to you. I mean, what was your kind of uh, recruiting process like before choosing A&M? Were you going and looking at other schools just because you could, or did you pretty much know that you were going to be being Aggie yeah uh it was tough I mean originally growing up I kind of uh I, I originally wanted to go to I mean this was before I knew anything I mean I always heard of Georgia Tech and Georgia sure. that was just because I wanted to play Augusta <laughs> and you know <laughs> they're so called the you know one of the powerhouse of you know college golf I'd say and, right uh, and I for sure wanted to stay in the southeast and about eight, I mean I was getting you know letters you know, I didn't really reach out. I mean, I didn't know nothing about it being from Madisonville and my family's never been educated about the recruiting process. My older brothers haven't. So it was kind of nice. I mean, that I was, I guess, like good enough where they kind of reached out to me first, you know, and uh, once that started happening, I guess tech offered me a pretty high, uh, high scholarship when I was in eighth grade and I took a visit up there and then uh, me and my dad went up there and, I mean, I love I love Sands and Alcorn when uh, I mean Alcorn left, but I still love Sands. He was my we'll get to that later. But he was the Palmer Cup coach this year, yeah. and um, he was he was awesome. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to go there originally, just because how much I like Sands and Alcorn. But uh, then I got out there and I was like, man, I don't I don't want to be seven hours away from home. Sure. So then um. I mean, I always thought, you know, A&M was going to be the one with my uncle, my second oldest brother, my dad. My mom would have went to A&M. She would have had the money. And just my cousins went there. I mean, pretty much, I mean, you kind of get bred into being an Aggie. There's kind of no choice, really. Gotcha. 
yeah, family going there, you go there. But uh, I really, I mean, it was good. It was close for me, 45 minutes away. And, I mean, we have one of the best, I mean, definitely top five practice facilities in the country. And um, Traditions is a really tough course. And I loved, uh, originally I loved Coach Higgins and uh, Cortana a lot, and they're a good fit. So, uh, inevitably, I was able to, you know, get offer there from – I think, I guess, my sophomore year. But it was kind of weird, I guess. I didn't really – I didn't really play much junior golf. I mean, I played – I never got invited to – I wasn't good enough to get into AJGA, any AJGA invitationals. I just kind of – you know, it took me forever to get – I guess they still do it, like, fully exempt on the sure. AJGA. And then I'd just play in, you know, the – you know, like the junior Byron Nelson or – pretty much the three AJGAs they had in Texas each summer, like the one at UT club, the one at TBC San Antonio, and then usually they had one in Dallas. So I'd pretty much just play like three or four of those, three or four of those a summer. Well, but the good thing is, is that, you know, if you're going to play in, in AJG events and it's not an invitational, you're playing right in the hotbed where there's a lot of great talent. I mean, you're playing it. This isn't, this isn't a, you know, if there's, one state to pick that you want to play those tournaments in Texas. That's, that's a pretty good place to be. So, yeah, correct. correct. Um, you know, one thing also, before I ask you a little bit about last year, which I know really was kind of your breakout season at Texas A&M, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously you have a great ability to go low and shoot low scores. True or false. Your lowest round of your life is a 55. Yeah, it's correct. And uh, it was at, it was at Madisonville and people still don't, it's it's just crazy when I it kind of makes me mad because not mad but people see that I shot 55 and they're thinking like it must be a you know drive chip and sure force but I mean it's 6600 yards like it's not just a you know drive and chip and that was I mean that is by far the craziest still to this day the craziest thing I've ever done like that was the most I mean it was insane my brother and my grandpa witnessed it and it was absolutely ridiculous like and the thing is is i shot and i shot in 55 out there and then i shot in 159 and 161 and then a couple 62 so it wasn't just like you know like every time you shoot like like you take it like insanely deep out there so, so it was pretty and then i got i'll go out there and like i'll take some of my you know college buddies out there and i was we'll, just gonna say like uh, that has to be the coolest thing yeah because they're like you know like you shot 55 like let's go see and we'll go out there and they'll get mad because they'll shoot like you know like 69 or 70 i'm like <laughs> see like not like it's not just like what you think it would would be by like looking at the looking at the score so if I was going to, I mean, I'm sure you've told the story of this round many times, but, you know, this isn't like the typical 59 where, you know, I was coming down and I, I had to par in or I had to make birdie on the last, yeah. you know, it, this is a little bit unique. So, and the other thing is you had three pars uh, yeah, and, you, and you parred the first hole. Well, so it was kind of, it was kind of, it was kind of weird. So I played originally, it was, it was on a Sunday and I was, uh, I was going to, <laughs> I was it was me and my brother like I said and I was originally only going to play nine holes because my girlfriend we're going to we're going to like the mall or something that afternoon uh-huh. and I, I parred the first hole and I was like okay like whatever and then I birdied two through nine so I shot eight on the front and then I was called her I was like hey like I got to finish this like <laughs> I got to 
nine, and then I birdied ten, and then I was like, okay, like just make like four more birdies, you know, just get to thirteen, then kind of just coast in, you know, shoot fifty nine. I mean, obviously, like every golfer, like I don't care what you say, like when you're that deep, like uh-huh. at some about, point, you're thinking about fifty nine. Like you can't just not think about it. And so I got to about ten. I was like, okay, like got two par fives left, like a lot of short holes. I mean, obviously every hole is pretty short, but then I got to I eagled a par five number four. So I guess it was thirteen. I was thirteen under through thirteen. I made like a fifty yard pitch shot, and then I was oh like. God. And then I was 13 under after 13, and I was, like, pretty nervous. I was like, all right, just par the par the last whatever holes. And then I hold out. I birdied, like, 15 and then eagled uh, 16 and then uh, par 8 and birdie 9. But I, honestly, like, I was literally just trying to shoot, like, fifty in the 50s for the first time ever. But it just putts just kept on going in. <laughs> Odd. Uh, how quickly did that spread in Madisonville at that at the golf course? Uh, I'm guessing this is not the first time you've recounted that story. Yeah, it was. I mean, was, there's a you know there's a I think there's a sign up in the clubhouse and everybody just didn't believe it. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, it got out pretty. It got out pretty quick. I mean, I thought it was. I mean, honestly, I don't care, but I thought it was going to get out kind of more in the uh, like golfing golfing world. Like sure. ESPN or you know some, like something they're like tagging stuff and every everything but yeah it got out pretty quick and everybody was just so so kind of astonished but I wish people could everybody could see the actual course and because it it it's not as easy as you as you think it would be well I'm I'm glad you shared that big and I really am glad that you bring your teammates there every once in a while cuz that's yeah. that, that's cool. I tell coach we need to I always tell coach we need to go out there and play a couple qualifiers qualifying oh. <laughs> out there. Um yeah, that might be a slight home course advantage when you, when, yeah. you when, yeah, you might well well I guess if there's four spots available that's fine but really mm-hmm. you're you're going to get the number 1. We can just leave yeah. you out of it. Yeah. Um so, uh, you, you know, the one thing I wanted to ask you too, is, you know, you have this great, you have this great season last year, you win three individual events, uh, three major ones. I mean, you know, Cabo Waverly, Ag, you know, your own home tournament. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but you know, winning at the collegiate level, I guess winning at, you know, any level, we just, I mean, we're recording this uh, a couple of days or actually a day after, uh, Finau finally won again, uh, at the Northern, Tru- uh, the Northern trust, it's hard to win do you have any idea what kind of opened the floodgates for you last year that, that kind of got you on this? I mean, I guess you won like what, three tournaments in four, five, six weeks, something like that. I mean, you, you, you didn't win your freshman or sophomore season. And then all of a sudden, here we go. Freshman sophomore season. I mean, I've, I've struck, always been a ball striker, always construct the ball good, kept it in play, just pound greens and freshman sophomore year. I mean, honestly, like if this makes sense, I was, I was kind of content with just, you know, shooting around par and taking my top 20 finish and moving on to the next week. I never really cared about winning. I don't know why. I don't know if I had no belief or what it was, but I was thoroughly content with just, I mean, I'd be three under at some point in my freshman and college career and be like, okay, just like coast in. And, this is you know, good enough. Dude, yeah, this is fine. Like just coast in. You can afford a couple bogeys, like, just, you know, you'll be a counting score for your team and you'll get a top 20 and you'll do whatever. And then 
uh, I talked to coach after my sophomore year. I mean, I had a, I mean, my freshman sophomore year, they, I mean, I, I mean, I just pounded top 25s. I mean, I think there was like one or two maybe that was outside of the top 25, but it was always really consistent. And the only thing holding me back was my putting. And I was, I mean, that was because, I mean, I never really, you know, practiced my practice putting enough or uh, did anything with that, had no confidence. And then uh, I think it was in the, I guess last year fall, I didn't, I practiced putting a lot, but it didn't, it didn't really pay off for me. Uh, and then I got to, I guess my, our first tournament of the spring <coughs> at the border Olympics in Laredo. And I had like a four shot lead. Uh, I mean, it was a small tournament, like really small tournament, not a very strong field, but I had still had a four shot lead. And I mean, I honestly, I choked it. I shot like 43 on the back nine and my teammate won it. And then I was pretty, I was pretty pissed off. And then, uh, but I mean, I was happy for him, but I was mad the way I played. Right. And then, uh, you know, I just kept at it. And, you know, I really think if I wouldn't have lost at golf tournament later, I wouldn't have won the Cabo tournament. And then, I mean, honestly, I'd just say my, my putter got hot. I mean, it's, I've always struck the ball good, like I said, and I just started finally putting together, you know, making putts. Like freshman and sophomore year, I think I lost, I averaged like losing like close to three and a half strokes per round putting. I mean, it, those stats are kind of a little skewed just because if you, if you hit a lot of greens, you're sure. You're, yeah. Putting's not going to be too great, but, uh, I switched to, uh, a Callaway two ball putter that I just absolutely fell in love with. And, um, honestly, dude, I just got hot with the putter. And when, once I got that first win and, um, at Cabo that, you know, gave me the, uh, exemption of Laro, which was just huge i mean that was the first time i've really felt pressure other than you know playing a match play in the secs or match play my freshman year at nationals at the blessings in some big matches but coming down trying to win a you know golf tournament to get in a pga tour event we know that's on the line you know when i had you know reband and get reband and john pack right behind me yeah. that kind of me what i was you know able to do and then once i got that first win i was I was, I wasn't content with 20, 20th place anymore. I wanted to keep on winning, and still, even this summer, like I, t- I mean, every time I cheat up, if I'm not winning, it's, it's nearly like it's not fun. Like being in contention is fun, and so like every week now, I cheat up expecting to win, and it's, it's more about really nowadays about perspective to me. Back in the day, like I said, I was content with just getting a good finish, but now every time I cheat up, I'm playing to win yeah and it, like you said it's a really it's a great perspective to have and and really chasing down the victory and and you know getting out of that rut of like well this is good enough this is this is safe i've earned my spot on the team i, I earned my spot in the traveling squad and exactly like freshman sophomore year i was just kind of focused like you know just like you said just shoot good scores kind of decent scores saying it like qualifying doesn't mean a crazy much if you just kind of, you know, always wanted the counting scores and put up good finishes, play consistent, like you said, you just kind of earn your spot and just I – because mean, that's a big part about, you know, like freshman sophomore, I just wanted to kind of stay in the lineup all all year. So, the, the I mean, the other thing, too, is that you also have to have the, the acknowledgement that not every week that you teed up against the best collegiate players or amateurs in the country or professionals for that matter – 
you know that uh, just like everyone else, I mean, there's there's going to be weeks where you just don't have it, where yeah. you know the the punting is off, or you just you can't hit the that you're not hitting it through the window uh, with your driver the way you like to, and maybe your best is going to be actually getting like a backdoor T19 or something like that. That's, that's exactly. Uh, well, I'll tell you that that story. This, uh, like you said, I was I was really mad. I really wanted to after you know, getting all those wins. I really wanted to tee it up and I won the, our home tournament right before the, right. I run the Aggie right before we had headed conference. And, uh, I was, I played pretty bad the first day and then pretty bad the second day too. And I had a bad front nine on a bad front nine on the third round and our team top eight go to match play in the SEC. And, um, we're like right on the bubble and, I was like really fed up, just like mad, like really wanted to walk off the course. But coach like settled me down and he was like, look, like it didn't, I, like, I didn't care about what I was going to finish. Like I knew it. I was like, look, I'm going to play a good back down for my team and, you know, stay in it. And I shot like four under on the back nine, which got like, ended up getting like T25th and helped the team out tremendously. And so like, it's a little different because for, I'll get kind of mad in amateur golf because I have, when I'm playing bad, because like just I'm just you. like that, I cannot win it. But in college, it's different because you know I'm always trying to grind, and you know sometimes you can grind out a you know 75 or shoot 32 on the back nine and put up a decent round when you know 76 could be a 75, 76 could be a counting score, which could be huge. Yeah, there's there's nothing worse than giving up on a round and know you gave up on a round and and limped in with a 77 or a 76. And you got a, and another teammate's having a really bad day, and they're grinding, and they they get one worse than you, or one, uh, you know, one better than you, and and you know, you just you, you need to always be pushing all eighteen holes because it's not just you that you're playing for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, in in college, I do in college, I do a really good job at that, and and then in amateur golf, I'm I just sometimes I just not give up, but it's like I have like nothing to like play for but in in college i'm always fighting i mean i'm a big team player i mean i like i love when our honestly i love when we get the team win better than individually because winning with the teams just mean awesome yeah i was i was just going to ask you about that a little bit later about the ag invitation before i do that though let's talk a little bit about cabo that has been a hot uh, piece of conversation on this podcast for quite some time not uh not only about the great golf but you know, there's great tournaments all over the country with with great fields. I mean, when you're when you're at a D1 school like yours, it you know whether it's UCLA, A and M, Georgia, you know, uh, Florida, doesn't matter. Any SEC, Big Twelve, any conference, there's great tournaments all over the country. Um, but this one gets brought up quite a bit, especially when you know I'm talking to Perico and he's telling me about him and Pac are just destroying the taco trucks there. Um, <laughs> I also see you know uh, you know they have the really cool things off the golf course, whether it's, you know, a night softball game or, or the dinners. And, and of course you're, you're at a beautiful resort and you're riding in carts. I mean, this is, this is like spring break. This isn't really, I mean, this doesn't feel, does it feel like a golf tournament? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, usually when it's in, when it's in Cabo, it's, it's all, absolutely like awesome. I mean, Cabo is my favorite, my favorite place in the world. And like Preco said, I mean, those tacos are just absolutely great. And, Usually we'll stay when we go to Cabo. We'll stay in these. B. I don't know if you know B. A. But she runs that. She runs that tournament. She comes. She supports. You know all college golf really good, and 
she does a fab. I mean, it's the best. It's the best run tournament in college golf by far, and the best field. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just. It, I mean, it feels like golf when you're out there, but uh, I mean, outside of it, I mean, especially when you're in Cabo, you're just, I mean, you're living the life. But this year, I mean, it was in, it was at San Antonio because we couldn't go there for, because uh, of COVID reasons. But yeah. next year, going back. But I mean, it's it is by far the best best tournament in college golf. So, uh, well, well, I do know BA, and and she'll be happy to hear that. I'm 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 trying yeah. to figure out an angle to get her on this podcast to talk a little bit about the Cabo Collegiate, like you know, like a preview episode to the Cabo on the back of the range. I'm trying to make that happen. Yeah, and, that'd be. Yeah, I I think I think there's a chance because uh, I know she listens to I know she's listening to this episode right now. So I think we're going to need to push harder on her for the next couple months to make that happen. Yeah. But you get the you you get this win. It also gets you into the Valero Texas Open, and obviously that's a a big stage. But also you know old like I mentioned, winning at Old Waverly, and then your Ag Invitational, and that's a tournament where you have a lot of the big schools, the ones that your that your rivals, whether they're in the conference or not. And I just was about to ask you, like you know, what's a what's a bigger thrill, winning a Cabo Collegiate Individual Title that gets you into a pga tour event or winning with your team at your home tournament on your home turf i mean i know that's really not a fair question whatsoever but at yeah. least but at least it, it shows how much of a team guy you are that it's going to give you pause yeah i mean i mean coming down the stretch at uh at cabo was pretty was pretty thrilling I me mean, knowing you know what was what was on the line with the exemption and i mean i, I mean i hit some i had hit some pretty pretty clutch shots coming down the stretch but I'd say winning at the Aggie was was better because my freshman year, uh, we only got to play 18 holes, and um, I was paired with Matt Wolf the first day, and um, he he shot five under, and I shot four under, so I was one back going into the last two days. But then rain rain came through, and then my sophomore year, uh, we had COVID, so we didn't get to play that tournament. And then you know coming off two wins, heading into my home tournament, the course I've been playing at since. Um, you know, I was 12 years old. I mean, I couldn't wait to, you know, get out there and compete. And I mean, everybody knows it on the team. And like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to sound cocky, but no one's gonna really, no one's gonna beat me out there at traditions. You gotta beat yourself. Been playing there since I was, since I was 12, and you know, I just know that course so good, and don't even have to read the greens. But it was fun teeing it up, and uh. You know, getting the team win uh, at our home tournament when we really didn't, you know, I don't think that was one of our, you know, first, first, first big wins. You know, taking down Oklahoma in the playoff was pretty cool. And there's a, you know, the Aggie fan base is just great. So uh, <laughs> the Aggies out there cheering. But that that was probably the that was definitely the coolest coolest moment. Well, honestly, the the coolest moment this year actually was probably, even though you didn't ask, was probably coming. No, tell me, man. After Old Waverly, the second one this season, I coach uh, flew me private from Mississippi to San Antonio, so I got to win a college tournament and then hop on a private jet, knowing I'm about to teed up in the PGA Tour event. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't done that quite yet. You know, a lot of, lot, you know, you don't get a lot of private jet rides as you, when you're, have your own golf podcast. I think it's coming, uh, any day now it's going to happen, but, um, but yeah, I bet you, you didn't even know what to do on that private jet, did you? 
No, I knew exactly what to do. We're just not going to say okay. say what 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 I did. Diet cokes and pretzels. I understand. No problem. Yeah. Um, another great thing that you got to experience after just this really great twenty one is is playing Palmer Cup. And uh, you know, we could talk about the golf, and uh, you know, I know that the USA picked up the victory and. But I just love Palmer Cup because it's it's both it's uh, both men and women, and you just get uh, obviously it has an international feel to it. So you just get to see, you know, a lot of international players that play here in the United States in college. But there's just incredible people that you meet. Um, if it's not golf related, so I don't want to I don't want to know about the golf. I mean, you picked up a couple uh, point and a half, and and team had a had a you know successful week. But um, give me a story from the Palmer Cup that maybe is not golf related you know, off the golf course, people that you meet, just to kind of illustrate how special this, this week is. We, me and five of the guys and five of the girls went out uh, after, you know, USA got the victory. Sure. We went to Chicago and it was pretty fun. But I mean, other than that, I mean, you, just, you, you, mean, you do meet a lot of good people and, you know, all the players are nice on both teams and you get to just meet with the coaches and, you know, dress up nice and eat eat good dinner and you know it was kind of cool but you know rich harvest farms was probably the probably the best other in oakmont was probably the best manicure place i've ever seen and we got to go uh see i don't know if you know jerry rich but the owner of that that club and he has he has like a bunch of he has like a hundred like old tommy cars that are just absolutely incredible and there's just, I mean, now everything just neat about the Palmer Cup. It was, it was a really cool experience. It was a little, it, I mean, it wasn't as good as it should have been for me. I mean, just because two weeks, two days, I didn't think I was going to play in the Palmer Cup actually, because uh, two days prior to the me flying out to the Palmer Cup, or I think it was one day prior, my dad passed away, and so I didn't think I was going to go just with you know visitation and funerals and just not being you know mentally ready but yeah my is and mom and brother you know i checked on them and make sure everything was was good with that and that i was you know able to play and i wasn't gonna you know i didn't want to miss uh miss that opportunity because i mean that's playing palmer cups kind of you know once in a once in a lifetime type of deal and you know I, everybody told me my brothers and my mom and grandpa that you know dad would he wouldn't want me to sit in Madisonville and just soak and do nothing you know he'd want me to tee it up and you know represent my country playing college golf and he probably thought that would have been the coolest thing ever if he would have known so I mean it was a little different um I mean playing with that on my mind you know going there it wasn't you know quite the but I mean it was a good experience but it could have been a little better just not having that you know happen right there but uh you know it was pretty cool too also my you know my fellow teammates uh you know, voted, voted me to, there's like a vote and they voted me to, I get to tee it up in the Arnold Palmer Invitational in March, which is going to be pretty, pretty incredible. So I'm really, really extremely thankful for that and all their uh, respect and just, you know, them, them looking out for me because that's going to be a pretty cool, pretty cool deal. So what you're what you're talking about there, uh, Sam, is the Michael. Obviously, you know it's the Michael Carter Award, and it really is a award that's voted on by uh, every member that's playing in the Palmer Cup. It goes to one person, and it's just to honor a former Palmer Cup intern uh, that that passed away in, a, in an automobile accident back in uh, 2002. And 
yeah, I think that says a lot about your character, but I think also about uh, the, the people that were there and just recognizing, um, you know, what you were going through and also just what kind of character you had to be there and participate and just help your team, uh, you know, compete. Uh, I, I love stories like, like that, and I think also just what the Palmer Cup stands for and then your ability to go play in another PGA Tour event, which kind of leads me into the next uh, question I wanted to ask, you know, what did you learn at the Valero Texas Open that you will take into your next PGA Tour start at the at uh, at Bay Hill? Yeah, well, um, you know, teeing it up at my at the Valero was just you know something I really <clears throat> I couldn't really I couldn't prepare for. I mean, no. I was I was I was prepared. I mean, with golf game, but just just the nerves and um. You know, I was standing there on the first tee when my name got announced, and there weren't even too many fans. I mean, I had a good amount of pe- people from Madisonville come out and watch, but uh, I mean, I could barely get the ball on the ball on the tee box on the on the tee on the first box. And um, you know, you know, you're nervous when you're just thinking about, you know, not even where it goes, just about solid contact. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I mean, I was nervous. I mean, I could never, you know, I, that first round, I could never get get comfortable and I shot like 80 and it showed. And then the second round I played pretty good. I mean, I shot even and, you know, the cut was four over. So if I could have played just, you know, decent, the, yeah. it wasn't just easy. I mean, that's a pretty tough course. And, um, but, um, it, that, that tournament helped me a lot. And I know it did because, uh, once after that I played in the Aggie and then was, uh, close coming down the stretch at regionals. Well, end up losing by one, and I mean, my my nerves have just gotten or like nothing under pressure, like nothing really phases me after kind of experiencing that, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, going from that to you know coming down the stretch in a college tournament, I mean, I, I mean, I felt nothing, and um, I mean, I'll, I'll be prepared more for the next one just because I, I mean, it was my first one, and I was just honestly, I was just pretty nervous and could never get never get comfortable out there but i learned a lot from those uh really from the pros out there i mean just how much they how much work they put in i mean spieth was out there i guess his tea time was like two o'clock and i had a morning tea time and he was out there putting at nine o'clock in the morning and when he didn't tee off till two and then uh phil got done with his mickelson got done with his round and uh he he already missed the cut and it was Friday afternoon, and he was still sitting on the range, uh, banging drivers on track, man. And Hideki was just out there like all day. Like those guys, I mean, <laughs> it, I just like those guys—they don't mess around out there, not one bit. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of talking to uh, probably in a previous episode, but also talking to people because I, you know, I was just on the road for for four weeks, and you know, saw you at the Western and. And USAM, and and I don't think the casual golf fan, whether they're following the amateur side, pro side, whatever, I don't think they have any idea how much work you guys put into it. I mean, I remember yeah. being at Glenview at the Western, and that putting green, you know, yeah, you you see a couple of people say hi, you know, you know, how's how's life, how's school, how's this, how's that, but for the most part, there are tees in the ground, every sort of putting drill and putting aid you can think of. And people are, I mean, you guys are working. It's a lot of work. And I don't, yeah. that's one thing I just don't think people understand. So I'm not surprised to hear those stories, but I'm, you know, and it's really good that you picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that's just, you know, something I, you know, never, never really kind of 
not that I put in, you know, so much work now, but mainly with putting, putting, I have been putting in a lot of work, but, uh, you know, originally growing up on that nine hole course and then just kind of doing whatever I'd just go and, you know, play 18 holes a day and then call it a day. But I've kind of learned, I mean, if you want to, you know, once you, if you want to be elite, you do gotta, I mean, everybody, I mean, you gotta outwork some people. Oh yeah, you have to because when you get to that level, and, and I mean the level you're at right now, everyone has talent. Everyone hits it far. Everyone's got great short games. It's just who's yeah. work, who's working at it. Exactly. Uh, well, um, uh, before I let you go, um, I know you have a, a nice you know fall season. You're looking forward to at Texas A&M, obviously uh, competing for a national championship, competing for an SEC championship. You got to get that one first before you move on to uh, to Greyhawk. But uh, mm-hmm. before I let you go, I, you know, I'm probably a, a one or a, a two handicap, depending on where I'm playing. Um, how many shots are you going to give me in Madisonville if we go play uh, your home course? Give me, give me, yeah, I, I mean, how many, what are you going to do for me here? I mean, you're, you're, you're about a one handy, one or two. I'm about one say. or one or two. I mean, from, you know, from, from the 67, 800 yard tees, you know, I mean, I, I'm not playing 70. I'm, I'm old, man. I'm old. I'm not playing. Se- I'd probably, uh, man. Cause I mean, you gotta, it's just, nobody can put those greens. Like, like I can. Okay. I've just learned how to, how to, kind of forward press it put some top spin on it and just you know roll it i'd probably i mean i'd probably have to give you probably three on the front and four on the back uh, okay i mean i mean i'm shooting usually i mean i'd shoot uh maybe uh probably three and three is good because if you're one you'd probably yeah i think three and three would be perfect okay well we're not going to be playing for very much because that doesn't sound like a lot of strokes from a guy that especially you're telling me about these these if you're if you're one if you're if you're one i think you'd shoot out there you'd probably shoot around 68 out there all right well so okay well i i still think i'm getting i'm getting snookered here but that's okay (laughs) that's okay we're just going to play for pretzels and diet cokes so that's Mm -hmm. that's okay well sam I appreciate the time. Uh, I appreciate you talking to me uh, about uh, just kind of your, your your great career so far at A and M, and obviously, PGA Tour U is uh, is a thing. And uh, I believe you're currently number two in the preseason rankings, so that has to definitely have your attention. So um, it's going to be a great season. Look forward to watching you and following you all the way around uh, the country. And I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. And there you have it. Special thanks to Sam Bennett for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'll be at the Merido Collegiate this weekend, so make sure you enjoy the coverage on the Golf Channel, and we'll see you again next time here at the Back of the Range.